The Fruitful Entrepreneurs Podcast aims to increase the visibility of female leaders in business, inspire a limitless mindset to build your own blooming brand, and leave a positive impact with a purpose-driven business. Welcome to the Fruitful Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Tilbrook, and today I'm joined by Dr. Lillian Najad, who's a clinical psychologist, author, and founder of mental health platform Skills for Life and the Worry App Contain Your Brain. She has 25 years' experience with a focus on empowering individuals and groups with accessible, practical, and scientifically backed skills and strategies. Welcome, Lillian. So thank you so much for joining us. No worries at all. Thank you for having me, Shelley. Yeah, great. Um, I've been really looking forward to our chat. It's a topic that I love talking about and certainly um, I think most entrepreneurs would face challenges along the way that require a lot of mindfulness and gaining refocus and de-stressing. And so I'm really um, keen to explore that today. But before we dive into that, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background um, and how you started your, your business and what, what, what sort of skill strengths you had going into business. Okay, well, uh, as you can hear, I'm American. So I was uh, originally, I uh, grew up in the States and I was educated in the States. Um, I had uh, a BA in psychology and then I moved here and I um, was in a program to get my clinical psychology degree. So I have a PhD in psychology. And then I went and started working in public mental health for many years. Um, I also worked in university settings and um, some organization settings as well. And then about eight years ago, I decided I was going to go into private practice. Mm -hmm. And so I started my own private practice business eight years ago called OmniPsych. Um, and then three years ago, during the pandemic, I started an online business called Skills for Life, which is basically a mental health portal that people can access to get some good evidence-based psychological strategies to help them with stress and anxiety and sleep um, nice. and gain some skills. And then, yep. And then uh, last year I started, I launched an app um, with a partner, um, Brenton Canizaro, um, called Contain Your Brain, which is an app that helps people with worry so that they can reduce their stress and get some rest and achieve more during the day and, and enjoy their life. Yeah, fantastic. That's amazing. So yeah, you started out with your starting your own practice, then you've gone into a digital platform, and then you've actually gone into the big development of your own app. Um, each, each step, I guess, is, you know, a moment of courage that you've had to take to, That's true. you know, obviously <laughs> back yourself, invest in something else. Um, how, how did you go about that? Do you have a really strong belief set yourself or were, was it just dive in and see what happens? I'd love to sort of hear how you yeah. make that big transition. Well, I it, nothing I do is impulsive. I'm, very, yeah. I'm one of those people that um, I do research things a lot. I think about things a lot. Um, moving into the private practice was probably the first major leap of faith. Um, in some ways it was easier because I had, you know, this really long background um, in clinical psychology, working for big organizations and with a really broad range of clients over many years. So I did, I wasn't nervous about um, getting clients. I think it was more about just starting a business, like doing everything myself. 
Mm. Um, and that was a big learning curve. So I think in terms of how I made that decision, it took me a while. Mm-hmm. It had, I wanted it to be the right time. My children were, were little still. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the support of my husband saying, no, I think you can do this. Um, we're in a place where, you know, even if it doesn't work right away, it's okay. So I think that really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, so I was able to, yeah, I was able to just take that leap and then learn how to start a private practice. Um, and yeah, it took, you know, a few months uh, as, as a psychologist working in public mental health. It's actually really hard to charge people <laughs> for things. So I think that that was one of my major hurdles was that it's okay to actually charge people for your services and your services have value. And if you give it away for free, that's really nice, but also you can't sustain yourself and, ha- and have a business that way. So, and, and people want to pay for your services too, because they value your services. So I think that that was just a learning curve for me as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And I guess, um, so, you know, you've got this background from all your degrees and, and research and so forth and experience, but starting a business, did you find you had a couple of skill gaps and, and what were they and how did you, you know? So you many. Know? <laughs> I had so many skill gaps. I think with the first business, as I said, it was mainly just researching the software platforms that were going to help me create uh, a more automated, more seamless business. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to do any marketing because I had a network that, yeah. you know, that I had established over many years. So I didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. When I started skills for life, that was a completely different situation, you know, an online digital platform, you have to, um, you have to learn how to sell, you have to learn how to market, you have to learn, mm-hmm. you know, a different way of writing. Um, there's so many aspects to it, you know, and to developing a business plan and having a, a clear marketing strategy and all of those things. There were massive, massive gaps for me. Um, one of the things that I did to try to fill the, that gap was to join a couple of business networks um, where there were people who were either at the same place that I was or much, much, much more experienced. Mm-hmm. So that I could actually learn the way it's supposed to be done and um, start putting kind of things in place as I learned how to do those things. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I was also lucky. My husband's in business, too. So he would give me pointers along the way. But, you know, we don't always want to take advice from our husbands. (laughs) We need other people to um, to give us some, some skills and strategies as well and other perspectives. So I think having the combination of those things was really helpful and and I'm still, it's still a work in progress. I mean, I, you can't actually be everything. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of things. Like I try to do almost everything, <laughs> um, but I'm also very aware I'm not an expert at everything. So yeah. there are times where it's really important to seek support, to, to outsource some things, to delegate some things mm-hmm. um, and try to focus in on what you do best. Mm-hmm. at least most of the time. Yeah, no, fantastic. I think, yeah, surrounding yourself with with those mentors or experts, like you say, or people that are going through exactly the same path that you are, I think it's really, really smart move. Um, yeah. In terms of, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, um, 
because the the app was the third thing, I think that it was the business that was created from the beginning in a really strategic way. And I think that one of the things that helped me was because I had a business partner who had a completely different skill set to me. So I had the psychological background and and I could provide the content and that psychological kind of expertise and experience. And he had that digital design and tech background. So he was able to help with writing specifications and, and also creating that kind of business plan and understanding, you know, we, who the, who the targets are, you know, like who are the best people that we're trying to solve this problem for and and how do we get that message out to those people? So I feel like with contain your brain, that it's, it's much, much easier now to talk about and um, to write about and to, you know, develop relationships and, and, um, create those kinds of opportunities with, with something because it was set up from the beginning, um, so well. So I think over time it just gets better and better, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's a lot of time and investment to get to that point. Yeah. Well, even, so I've, I've probably built 10 apps over my journey. Um, and I think my first was my worst. <laughs> so you've done exceptionally well. Oh, thank you. Brain. Um, I've downloaded it. I've, I'm having a, a go at using it. So oh, great. Yeah. Um, I suppose one of my questions um, that I'm, you know, keen to sort of explore a little bit more on is around um, you've obviously, when you've started, you've started three different businesses. Do you feel like you're running three different businesses with three different business plans or is it a case of it was a natural progression and they're also correlated and interrelated or how, how do you feel in terms of that? Uh, I feel like both. I feel like um, mm-hmm. it, uh, they are separate businesses for different reasons but also I'm actually right now working on streamlining that a bit because they are very connected. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you've got, you know, my psychology practice, not most people don't see a psychologist, even if they could, you know, get support and help through a psychologist. A lot of people choose not to for various reasons, and that might be stigma or financial or a whole range of reasons. And so skills for life was really to make the strategies that I would impart to a client accessible to anyone, whether they saw someone like me or not. That was kind of the point. So they are related to each other. Um, and contain your brain is kind of an extension because it's just taking one of those strategies and putting it in an app to make it easier to implement. Mm-hmm. And because it's a strategy associated with worry, it ties in very well to the skills for life courses, which are about anxiety and stress and insomnia, which worry actually impacts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is room to tie them more closely together. And, um, I need to do that because I can't, I, it's not really effective or efficient mm-hmm. in terms of my time and energy to run three really separate businesses. I think <laughs> it's really important to simplify everything and streamline mm-hmm. them and, and help people see the connection between the three. Yeah. Um, because yeah, some people are just going to need self-guided strategies or programs and other people might need a combination of, you know, self-guided and someone to talk to. And some people will need, you know, clinical psychological treatment because they actually have 
uh, a mental health issue or mental illness that they need some help with. So there's different, different things for different people. And yeah, so I think connecting them is a good idea. Uh, I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) So the other question I have is in, I suppose, the course of the journey of running your business, you have developed an amazing personal brand through whether it's been writing books or hosting podcasts. Was that a conscious strategy that you thought you need to have a public profile um, to build your business? Or is that sort of a default that's just come as a consequence? I'm curious to to know. I think, again, I'm going to say both again. (laughs) I wasn't, I didn't want to be the front woman. Like that wasn't my, I wasn't after that kind of thought leadership role necessarily. What I wanted was to provide products and services that would help people. And so initially I was really thinking of my brand as skills for life, not Dr. Lillian Najad, you know, Um, but over time and talking to lots of people who have more experience and expertise than I do, they, they really were advising me of flipping that around um, and saying, look, you know, the reason why people would want anything from you is because of you and you really need to put yourself out there more and make it more about you and put, put more of you into it. And I, I've taken that to heart. It's, it's taken a while. It's a bit of a, mm. um, a challenge, especially coming from a psychology background, um, because there are, you know, boundaries you have to adhere to as part of just the regulatory and professional guidelines of the job. And so there are some things that I can and can't say that maybe other people who are not under a regulation board can say and do. So for me, it's just about, um, again, just another way of imparting information in a way that people like to hear it. So if if that's in a podcast and I'm happy to do things like this or, you know, be a, be a guest on a different, you know, different podcast. And I did create like a series of six, um, like a limited series podcast at one stage that's, you know, about mental health at work, just so that people have, again, another avenue to get information. So it's more about that. And books again was another avenue. And, um, I created a few collections of mindfulness and relaxation exercises, which just makes it easier again for people to find um, techniques that might help them with stress or anxiety or sleep um, and give them more options and choices. Cause there's so many options and choices out there, but we all have our kind of personal preferences in terms of the voice you want to listen to and this, the topics that, that come up and the music in the background. And there's so many things that you have to think about. So I've just given people a, as many options as I can. And then as a result of that, that means that I'm out there more and people know who I am mm. more. And that it gives that impression that I'm, <laughs> I guess, uh, no, well, we've, we've doing that on purpose. <laughs> the, the personal branding we've certainly seen help people's business skyrocket. Um, yes. Yeah, and I'm I'm like you. I started behind my brand, and now I'm trying to step a step forward because <laughs> um, we've seen how successful it actually is. So yeah, and it, it is a challenge to put yourself out there, and we you know you know when you put yourself in a on social media platforms, you don't know what's going to come back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's it's almost always positive, hmm. but the the times that it isn't, 
or, you know, someone doesn't agree, for instance, with what you say and and very strongly disagrees, (laughs) then, you know, it can be um, disheartening to hear um, comments like that. So it's, it's, uh, you have to prepare yourself for what the, the reality of it is when you put yourself out there and make sure that you've got the supports around you to kind of help you through some challenges or difficulties that you might have along the way. Mm, absolutely. Um, so as a, I suppose, a three business owner and a mental health expert, I'd be curious to see what, what sort of self-care you bring into your daily ritual to maintain I suppose, your mental clarity at work um, to get the best out of your performance um, and not get too stressed with everything that you would be juggling. Yeah, I think one thing is to accept and expect that I will feel stressed sometimes and that that's okay. And as long as it doesn't stay at this kind of high level all the time, because, you know, it, everything changes, including how we feel, including our stress level. So if if it's like this sometimes, I think that's a natural progress, progression of what stress or anxiety might feel like. Um, but I definitely, one of the main things that I do um, that I was just speaking to a client about this the other day mm-hmm. was scheduling in nothing time. Yep. Nice. I think a lot of people have trouble with that. <laughs> that's something that I've feel like I haven't ever had trouble with. Mm. Uh, I don't feel guilty if I'm doing nothing. Mm. Um, I don't see it as optional. Mm. I see it as a necessity. So for people who struggle with downtime or me time or alone time or um, nothing time, Mm. I I really encourage them to start scheduling it in. Mm. And what what are you doing in those times? Is it read a book or go for a walk or what sort of thing is it? (laughs) Look, sometimes it's literally nothing. Like sometimes it's, I just need to lie on my bed for five minutes and just rest. And I started that probably, I mean, I probably did a lot of nothing time before children, (laughs) just in general, (laughs) but after children and, you know, when they're little and things are busy and, you know, you're picking up and dropping off and all of that sort of stuff. I think I started like really making sure I had at least that five minutes to myself and it, and it would be something that my kids learned, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is my time and you don't come in and, you know, during that time you like amuse yourself and I'll come out in five minutes and we can do stuff together. But even, I think people don't realize how much even five minutes can help because there are going to be some days where you can take 20 minutes or you can take an hour, or you can take a couple hours or maybe even half a day. Um, but sometimes you've got so much on and all you can think about is I don't have time. I don't have time to, to, to do that. I don't have time to sit down for five minutes. I don't have time, but you actually, you do have, you do have five minutes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that can be when you're out and about. Like you can maybe do a little mindfulness exercise um, as you're actually doing something that you need to do, or you can lie down on your bed for five minutes, or, you know, you can do something like have a, a nice cup of coffee, you know, or a juice or something for five minutes, just to just sit mm-hmm. and be on your own and relax and sometimes not on your own actually mindfulness is something that I, I don't I don't know that a lot of a lot of people think of mindfulness as like meditation you have to do it on your own it has to be in a you know uninterrupted dark room sitting in the lotus position or you know like all these kinds of ideas 
but the way that psychologists, or at least I teach mindfulness is a really practical way that can be done anywhere, anytime around anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because it's all, all it is, is about deciding to focus on something. Mm -hmm. And you can do that uh, about, you know, a sense you can say, I'm going to focus on listening to the sounds around me, or I'm going to focus on this one sound, um, or you can focus on what you're tasting and eating. I mean, those, those ones are the really basic ones that you can do anywhere, or you can choose to focus on what you're doing. Mm. Like if it's brushing your teeth or if it's driving, or if it's, uh, you know, you've got a task that you're doing and you, you could even focus on how the pen feels as you're you know, writing something down. Like there's so many different ways to do mindfulness um, that can be calming, that can improve your focus, that can increase your resilience, that can help you understand how you think and mm-hmm. what your mind wants to do when you're trying to focus. Yeah. And all of that increased awareness and doing that in a really non-judgmental way mm-hmm. can really help with kind of everything, not just your mindset, but your, your way of regulating your emotions, your ability to accept the experiences that you, that you have, um, without having to feel guilt on top of it or frustration and all the things that we put on top of, you know, feeling stressed and anxious. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly I know during lockdowns, I, I was doing a puzzle and I would just go, 15 minutes to just forget about work for a moment, forget about yeah. a, a juggle and I'd do, do a puzzle and I'd do it guilt-free and I'd realise how much better that made me feel. Um, so yeah. nothing is a great <laughs> great piece of advice actually. Yeah, I know it seems really simple, but it's actually something that a lot of people find extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. And they might schedule in free time, but then it's it's not actually free time because as soon as somebody asks them for something, they filled it with yeah. something, you know, like so you're it's it's not just scheduling your free time, it's like keeping it free. Mm-hmm. Um that's really important. And uh we need we do need that kind of time to re- replenish and rejuvenate. And like I said, if even if you only have a minute or two minutes, like take take that time, just stay in the car for an extra two minutes and take that time or, you know, it's really important. It's not optional. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice. Um, you mentioned earlier that you started the Skills for Life platform during COVID. Was mm-hmm. COVID an instigator of that or was it something in the plans and then that gave you the time to yeah. work on it? I'm curious to understand. Uh, I had been thinking about it before COVID, mm-hmm. um, because I have been, I have been always creating new content for my clients over the years that I've worked at as, as a psychologist. So I just had so much just sitting on, you know, in my files on my computer. And so I had been thinking I should do something with the content. And originally it was maybe write another book. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how many people are going to read the book? I was just thinking, what's the best way of getting the information out there that would reach the most people and that would be the most engaging and so I thought well I'll try something new and uh, yeah I think having that period of time where we were all just home yeah um, and I was working from home still um 
I just thought, well, this might be a good time to try to get some of that content together and create some programs. It was also instigated by being approached by another company. Um, I had just published a book about insomnia and this company had heard about that book. So they asked me to write a course for their platform Mm -hmm. on insomnia. Uh, and I think that that, uh, that was really helpful because then it was, I had a deadline, yeah. was, you know, it was written, recorded and on the platform within three months, maybe even less. It might've been one month. So I knew that I could do it. And then I got to see the results of it on their platform. And so two of my courses are on, um, other, other, actually all the courses are on other platforms as well as my own, but two of them specifically had like 14,000 people go through them. And I was able to see that they were doing well, that they were rated highly, that, you know, I was able to see the questions that people had and where the gaps were. So when I put them on my own platform, I was able to improve upon them. I was able to add worksheets to it to make it like kind of fuller and more developed. Um, And so it was a really great way of validating what I was doing and reassuring me that I was, I was putting something out there that was of good quality that people really liked and, and felt like they got some help with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I was, I think I had the confidence of starting my own platform and putting some extra programs. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, being digital, you can really measure and see the engagement and like you yeah. say, feedback really well and continue to improve that product and, and what it's, you know, I suppose the impact that it's able to achieve being digital can be so much greater than obviously that one-on-one work. So um, Yeah, and also you can cater to different people's learning styles. So like I have two audio programs, for instance, that's just like listening to a podcast for mm-hmm. people who prefer just to listen to something. Yeah. And then I have two programs that are video and audio and interactive. So it's, you've got the listening, but you've also got the seeing and doing aspects that enhance people people's learning for those people who prefer to learn in that way. So it's just, uh, and then I've got, you know, the books and the free resources that people can, you know, just use. And so hopefully anyone that comes to my platform and there's many out there. So to any platform like they that they have options and choices um, and that something is going to work for them because I don't think, I think sometimes things are presented as here's the formula for success Here's the one way to do everything to make yourself happy and have a great life and to be stress-free forever. And it's like, well, that's one, not realistic, but two, there's no one formula for anyone. So my programs are not about giving people a formula. It's about giving people a range of skills that are evidence-based that they can practice. And then they get to choose which of those skills are going to be on their list. Mm. You know, so if you to calm down quickly, or if you're going through a really challenging time, you will know these are my go-to strategies. These are my go-to, like this is my way, not everybody's way because everybody's way or one person's way will not work for everybody. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, In terms of when you've, um, I suppose, hit a bit of a roadblock or a challenge, can you remember a time where you were like, oh, this is really difficult for moving forward or, or how, you know, what was that challenge and how did you overcome that in business or have you been pretty fortunate and it's been smooth sailing? Oh my gosh. I know. I think there's challenges every single day. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I think that's part of starting a business. Like if you go into business thinking it's going to be less challenging than what working for somebody else, it's not less challenging. It It's more enjoyable. Like that's why you do it, right? You do it because you've got the passion for it and it gives you some freedom and flexibility to some degree to manage your own time and, and what you're doing. But there are so many challenges. And so a part of the challenge is just a being able to cope with the fact that you're going to have challenges all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think um, in terms of specific challenges, what I think are quite broad, you know, like time, it's just time. You know, if you're, if you're wearing a lot of, and money, time and money, or like, <laughs> I think the main ones, like where do you spend your time? Um, and how do you spend your money so that you are maximizing yeah. your time and your energy um, so that you're able to um, get the results that you want, not for other people and for yourself. Yeah. And that's a, like a work in progress all the time. I think it's always something that you refine mm -hmm. and you try, there's trial and error and you learn from, you're like, oh, you know, I spent a whole bunch of money on, <laughs> on something that didn't get the results that I was hoping for, mm -hmm. but it could have. It wasn't a mistake necessarily. It just didn't work out as expected. So you learn from that and you don't make that, you don't make that kind of mistake again. Or if you do something similar, you do it in a different way. So you get different results. And I yeah. think that's just what it is. It's it's a learning process full of mm. challenges and setbacks, but also, you know, um, I think the process of learning on its own can be so um, satisfying just within mm. itself. And mm. then hopefully that process leads to the success that, that you're wanting for other people and for yourself. Amazing. Yeah. No, that sounds what we, what we all should be doing really. Um, in terms of, I suppose our audience being female founders, I'm keen to sort of get a couple of tips for them that you would suggest that'll help them on their entrepreneur journey, either with you know, managing their stress levels or, or you know, what, what you would recommend to a person in leadership that's running their own business? Well, I think the first thing is uh, be really nice to yourself. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself. Uh, notice when you're not being that way. And it's okay if you have judgmental thoughts and if you criticize yourself sometimes, that's just like our brain is kind of primed to be judgmental, not just of ourselves, but of other people and other situations and circumstances. Those are natural thought processes. But if you can notice that, and then either, I always say there's two pathways that you can go if you have thoughts that are kind of getting in your way. One is called the acceptance pathway, which is just to notice that you've had the thought non-judgmentally mm -hmm. and just let your thought pass naturally through your mind because what can happen is we notice it and then we just attach ourselves to it and we start thinking about it and ruminating and it starts connecting to all of these other thoughts about how you know we're we're not doing well or we're failures or you know we're imposters or whatever those thoughts are are connected to but instead of doing that if we can just say oh I've just had a judgmental thought or I've just criticized I just noticed I criticized myself and just let that pass without attaching yourself, that can be a super helpful way. It's a, basically a mindfulness technique. Yeah. Notice non-judgmentally and just let the experience move forward without you actually trying to do anything to it. 
So that's one path mm-hmm. that I think can be super helpful. The other pathway is the change pathway. So we've got acceptance and yeah. we've got change. Um, a lot of people prefer change because we're always want to fix things and solve problems. Um, and it's just as effective um, depending on who you are, right? So you're going to prefer one or the other or maybe both. So change is notice your thought and then modify it, evaluate it, understand the origins of it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically get some more understanding about it. Ask yourself questions about what the evidence is for that, for instance, or is this really my belief? Mm-hmm. Um, and then modify it so it is more realistic. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be like a negative to a positive. Sometimes the positive is not a realistic statement. So you want to say something that is genuine and real, but is balanced so that you're not always on kind of the the negative side of thinking or the pessimistic side of thinking that you're like, okay, like for instance, with worries, people are always like, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? And, but they're not thinking about the what ifs for the positive things. They're just thinking about the what ifs for all of the possible negative consequences. Yeah. So it's like just balancing your perspective. Yes, some of those negative consequences might be possible. They might be realistic. But what about all the possibilities that are realistic on the other side? Yeah. So those sorts of change strategies can be a really helpful way of dealing with your thoughts and your mindset as well. Mm. So I'd say, you know, if you can learn, and that's all my courses are about teaching those different kinds of skills, those different kinds of acceptance skills and change skills that can really help you manage your worries and your anxiety and your stress and any challenges that are kind of occurring in your life and will, they will occur. So it's just, it's hard to accept that, but that's the truth of life. So if we can just accept the truth of life and then have the skills and also make sure that you have the right supports. you know, available to you. I think that support being the number one factor in building resilience is having close relationships. It's number one, not number two or three. It's the first (laughs) one. So we really need to have people around us that we feel close to, that we can talk to and uh, who support us and encourage us and help us feel, you know, good um, and do that for others as well. Yeah. Amazing. No, I think both really good pieces of advice and yeah I hadn't sort of thought about I probably do go straight to the fix the problem rather than accept so I think that's really really helpful to sort of think of it from both both sides mm-hmm. um so where to from here are you looking at developing anything new or is there just you know an expansion for the app or is there other ideas in the works what what sort of does the next couple of years have to <laughs> Well, yeah, I always have something in the works, Um, but I also am very conscious that I want to focus on um, making Contain Your Brain more visible. Um, So I'm really focused on Contain Your Brain. Mm -hmm. And and like I said before, simplifying my my three kind of businesses, connecting them more so it doesn't feel like I'm working on three separate things, that I'm working on one thing uh, over a continuum of kind of needs. Uh, I am working on a new program about burnout um, because it is uh, one of the most prevalent issues in workplaces at the moment and just among among business owners and and even people who aren't working. <laughs> so, um, so I'm working on a kind of a comprehensive uh, burnout workshop with somebody else, which is always fun. 
um, for leaders and for um, teams mm. as a way of preventing it and also maybe intervening on um, symptoms that might all already be occurring for people because people are, you know, we've been through a really stressful period mm. and the impact of that is not over. And mm. we're still adjusting to what life is now and how different it is now and what that means for our futures. So I think that some support along that, mm. that journey, I guess, if you want to call it, that is really important. And so I feel like that might be a good focus for the next program. Yeah. Amazing. No burnout. I mean, I've, I've been there <laughs> working when, while working with someone juggling multiple roles and yeah it probably took the burnout to realise that you do need to have, you know, the mindfulness and the exercise and the other things outside of just your to-do list work-wise to um, perform and function at your optimum. So, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of demand for your burnout course. That sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, finalising it and putting it out there for people. Great. Um, I do hope it's helpful. Wonderful. And so... If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can, or, you know, websites or contact information so that they can reach out to you? Yep. They're um, Dr. Lillian Najad, um, if I need to spell that, probably do, <laughs> D-R-L-I-L-L-I-A-N-N-E-J-A-D, um, is where Skills for Life lives um, and all some free resources and, and programs and things live there. And then if people want to know more about the app, containyourbrain.com is the best place to go. And it has a lot of information on the science and also a demo that people can look at before they purchase it. It's just a one-off fee. It's not like a subscription or anything. So once you have it, you have it, which is, I think, um, very palatable to a lot of people who are tired of the subscription models. Um, we just wanted to make it super accessible for people. So contain your brain is a good place. And um, yeah, I'll leave you, I'll leave it with those two. Cause I, I don't want to. I'll be putting all your details in there anyway, but no, no no, thank worries. you so much for talking to us today. I think I've gained a lot of helpful tips and um, no, it was really fascinating to sort of learn about your, your journey. And I have to say, you know, one of the biggest things I see, holding people back on their entrepreneur journey it's just not having the courage and for you to have sort of taken those three leaps um first starting the business then going into digital platform and then building the app you've obviously got a lot of courage and a lot of <laughs> belief and you're doing an amazing um job oh, sharing you. a really important message so um well done and thank you so much for your time today thank you so much shelly it's been a pleasure